I, I don't want to, I don't want to give any, uh, give any secrets <laughs> away. <laughs> You're just going to have to stay tuned and figure out, uh, what we're going to talk about and figure out what piece of gear I'm going to grab from off screen and bring into the podcast next time. Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm Stuart Marlantis. And this is PhotoLog. Hello. Today we are talking about how to deal with an upset client. So we're just going to tell some war stories <laughs> and uh, talk about some best best tips on how to prevent uh, upsetting clients. I mean, you never want to upset clients, but there's definitely things you can do. And then uh, kind of what to do once, once they're already there. So for this episode, we do have a couple of stories that we'll be telling. Thank you so much for uh, submitting your stories. Uh, since these are all obviously uh, bad stories, uh, everyone's going to be anonymous. So every single name we mentioned has been changed. Um, Wait a minute, but... Ben. You're telling me that people have negative interactions with clients? <laughs> no, never. I I would never. Um, I am going to start by saying I have been... So one of the questions I get as a wedding photographer a lot is, have you ever had a bridezilla? And uh, no, the closest I've ever gotten was once there was someone who hired a production company and that production company, like the day before the wedding said, hey, we don't have any photographers. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, cool, I can pick up some money last minute. Sure. And she was really bad, but she was mostly bad because everything that day was going wrong. And she was just having a complete breakdown because her wedding was turning to just crap. Understandable. Um, so, so I felt really bad for her, but that was the worst she ever had. She also paid me like $400 or something. Oh, so, okay. which is not the going rate for a wedding photographer. Not so much. Um, not so much. No, this was like a decade ago. So I don't feel bad telling this story. Um, but no, it's, it's been really good on that front, but I've definitely had some, uh, interactions that could have gone <laughs> better. Yeah. Often, um, often interactions with bad interactions with clients stem from bad communication. So um, pro tip right away, if you don't listen to anything else in this episode, listen to this, uh, communicate with your client, maybe more than you think is necessary. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you're both on the same page. Make sure that expectations are the same. That is the, the quick, uh, the quick message cool <laughs> we'll so thank you so stories. much for listening to this podcast next week we are going oh, no uh, <laughs> no but seriously like that's TLDR. it almost every almost <clears throat> everything that we are going to talk about is boils down to proper communication mm-hmm. um pretty much every single time i've had an upset client it came down to a mit mit mix matching mismatch mismatch Mismatch. that's the word you got english uh mismatch of expectations where i thought i was doing this and they thought i was doing that and this and that were not the same um so i i kind of have a tendency if you have noticed maybe to talk a lot uh but when i'm talking with clients part of that is i want to be very sure that you and i are thinking the same thing nothing nothing everything is explicit nothing is implicit Mm -hmm. everything is actually said out loud or in writing nothing assumed yep because you know what they say about assumptions i won't you do i won't yeah you know what they say about assumptions it makes an ass out of you and me assume 
true. <laughs> oh, darn it. Do we have to have one of those explicit warnings now? No. This is an 18 word. plus episode because we said the word assume. Um, assume. <laughs> Got to get a bad joke in there somewhere. Oh, yeah, of course. Any, anyway, so, um, yeah. So we've have, got have some you, stories to share that probably involve some, bad communication, but maybe not. We'll see. We have some stories. <laughs> so uh, I'll st- I'll kick this uh, show off with one of my own yep. that went atrociously. So um, there, uh, this was way back when I was in college. So uh, I was just a student, by no means professional yet. Uh, I was actually going to... S- was this, I think I was just out of architecture and trying to get like graphic design degree, but like I picked up a camera. So at no point did I consider myself a photographer, but someone wanted to throw some money at me because I owned a camera. So like, cool. Um, They wanted me to shoot a music video. And I said, okay, in my experience, in my very limited experience doing this, um, here are kind of the things that I need to succeed on your music video. And they're like, cool, great. And I show up on the day and they're like, just kidding. We're not doing half those things. So one thing is that it was a compilation um, of several different artists put together to mismatch because they were doing like a concert promo. And so Hmm. it was like all the artists that were going to be in the concert they wanted in the video. Uh, Except I only shot like two of the artists, the other four. They're like, oh yeah, we shot them yesterday. We'll send you footage. Well, their footage and my footage did not mix at all um and their footage was complete garbage uh i mean mine was pretty bad too but in comparison theirs was even worse i was at least using like tripods and sliders and you know steady cams you at least they tried. just handheld shaky everything and they just uh set it to like 18 millimeters all the time there was no bokeh or depth of field or isolation of the subject it was just very poor and then when it got to the planning we agreed on absolutely nothing and they loved the shaky unusable footage that made me nauseous and um it got to the point where i just handed over all the footage and said nope we are done now go with god best of luck to you um (laughs) and they got so incredibly mad at me and they're like well they you said you were gonna do xyz and it was clearly you don't want me doing those things because we can't even agree on a Mm-hmm. So how am I going to get from A all the way through the whole alphabet of stuff I was going to say I was going to do for you? We are done now. Um, and that's also where I learned that you have to have very strict limitations when you do something flat rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they kept changing the scope of the project over and over and over again. And it was turning into a nightmare and I was hating them and they were hating me. And it just, it was, it was bad. I've had some, some situations like this. Um, uh, especially earlier uh, i you, you i feel like everybody learns to stay to say no at different times in their creative careers and some people it takes longer than others um i try to please clients a lot and sometimes take on more re-edits or reshoots than i really should and i've had this a similar experience to this before um more than once where there have been re-edits and re-edits and re-edits and not that i was doing anything wrong it's just that they kept changing their minds and that meant you know another Mm -hmm. 10 hours of editing and um a really good way to go about doing this stuff and those were all flat rate by the way when i had those issues um is uh, you have a set number of of re-edits beyond beyond anything like you know really dramatic like you could always decide like 
hey, I screwed something up, so I'll re-edit that on my time. Beyond that, I mean, you say, you know, you have two rounds of edits or three rounds of edits or whatever, you know, makes sense to you and your um, flat rate budget because you can budget that in. And then past that point, they need to pay up more. That's in the contract from day one. They understand that they only had, and you need to be explicit about that. You only have so many edits. And once we're done with that, you need to pay me more to continue doing this. So make up your mind. If you've got if you've got things that need to be included in the edit, you need to tell me early and often so that they get in. And once we're through those two rounds, that's that's all. Absolutely. So I I will throw in um, a tip here. So when um, I actually have edited my uh, contract, various contracts many times over the years because um have you, you ever seen one of those you know signs and you're like why does it say like no peeing in the sink well guess what there's a sign because someone did it yeah. so all this stuff <laughs> all this stuff in my contract is because someone did that and now i have to explicitly say don't do that um contracts are but- generally this is why we can't have nice things the paper yeah <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's a two uh, part tip rather. Uh, but um, the first one is always have a contract, even if you are working for free, even if no money is being exchanged, because it sets the limits and boundaries and expectations for both parties. It protects them as much as it protects you. They'll mostly want to protect you. <laughs> uh, but the second tip is uh, I used to be include in my wedding contract just like, hey, um, the edits and everything are included with the album. Don't worry about it. Because I'm a pretty expensive wedding photographer and my albums are pretty expensive and I don't want them to feel like I'm nickel and diming them for every little thing. If they say, you know what, would you mind changing that? Yeah. I can change that. It's fine. Versus a lot of other photographers are like, oh man, I got to change that. I'm not getting paid enough for this. Uh, If you get paid enough, you can make those changes and it's fine. Mm -hmm. But I did have one client abuse that. So I had to put a limit in it. And uh, my attorney was telling me that the limitation has to be very specific. You can't just say one round of changes because a round could be, okay, I want to change literally everything about everything. And you're basically shooting like another wedding for free type thing. Mm -hmm. So very specific. I had to specify the number of hours that are included before X rate kicks in. And I have them all sign that up front. So um, yeah, if you're doing anything flat rate like that and you're like, hey, changes are free, you have to limit and specify incredibly specifically. Otherwise, clients will abuse that. And I th- actually, That's now that I think hard. about it, nine times out of 10, I'm unhappy because they changed the scope of work and I did flat rate. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. When, when I mentioned rounds earlier, um, one that was in reference to video where oftentimes like making changes can take many, many hours, even for a single change. But, but also rounds of edits to me means like, you know, eight hours per round, let's say, or 10 hours per round, you know, like you, you right. have some block of, of edits. Um, and you say, you know, I, I'll do, you know, we'll do, you know, we'll do 16 hours of edit of, of editing and past that point, you need to pay me mm-hmm. for more. Um, so I, I misspoke a little bit. I assumed we shouldn't assume, right? <laughs> I assumed no, too assume. much about my audience. Well, the thing um, is, I thought yeah, one round of edits, value, I thought sure. one round of edits, cause whether it's one hour or 10 hours, I will do that as long as it all comes to me in at one time. Mm-hmm. But, um, legally contractually speaking, you that is not specific enough. So yeah. again, not a lawyer and stuff changes depending on where you are in the country and the world. But, um, yeah, that was, that was the thing I learned that I wanted to share, but yeah, most, most of the time 
unhappy clients just come from mismatch of expectations mm-hmm. and have a and have a contract just in case they still have unrealistic expectations even if you've ever even if you've very explicitly communicated communicated i can't explicitly communicate today even if you've explicitly <laughs> communicated to your clients have a contract to protect yourself if they try to pull a fast one on you yeah so um let's let let's see before we start diving into some war stories because i feel like those will be like we can set up and then see kind of how we would fix it mm-hmm. so you've now uh you now have an upset client for whatever reason they didn't like the shade of red of their dress or uh, they don't like your video edit or they think that you took too long or uh, maybe you just completely screwed up and didn't bring a tripod and all your stuff is garbage like i don't know for some reason i mean there was one photographer who uh i did a exchange of portraits for Mm -hmm. um they shot some family portraits for me, and I shot some family portraits to them. It was just a very straight-across thing. Their family portraits were excellent. My family portraits were all shot at about a 20th of a second, and everything is real blurry. And I'm like, how do you... Nice. What? what? How? We were... They were shot at the same time, in the same park. How did this even happen? Because they didn't read the manual, Ben. No, no. And I have since found out they like they don't know how to use flash. They don't know how to edit. They don't know how to do anything. And they got a great deal. I got a terrible deal. And I was the upset client there. Um, yeah. But yeah, you make a mistake for whatever reason. Uh, you have an upset client. Like, what What do you do? What do you do now? Uh, it certainly depends on the circumstances. Um, if I make a mistake, I try to own up to it. Um, people can be pretty understand, pretty understanding. You are admitting guilt in that, um, in that instance. So you will be setting yourself up to fix it. If that, and that might require a lot of work more than you plan for. But if you make a mistake, don't wait until the end and like hope that nobody notices. Like uh, they, like we're assuming that they've already noticed and they're upset. Right. But let's say that they're not, but you think they might be upset just own up to it say like hey this thing screwed up this camera you know like like i've had cameras that just like glitch out and they stop recording and i'm like hey i missed a little bit of this you know we can hide it because i had another thing going over here like that's why you're a professional right you you have a way around but Mm -hmm. um you know i'll just be like hey this thing kind of you know this this got screwed up this way and and you know my bad we'll fix it we've got a way around it here's how i'm gonna fix it you know you approach with i'm sorry but i've got a way through this you're not just saying well too bad that got screwed up and you're gonna have to deal with it now like you need to come with an answer so that's always a good way if you've got an upset client um let's say even if it isn't your fault but they perceive some sort of fault if you've got a way through it that you've already identified and you can bring to them and you're the problem solver and not the problem um that is a huge uh, feather in your cap to help reduce some of that upset feeling absolutely um so i think the first thing is being open and honest and properly communicating mm-hmm. um if you have a contract and they're upset about something uh one of the things that a contract saves you from is you can say look you know it i wish i could help but and then you can point back at the contract and be like i really wish i could help you but the terms of our agreement were this is literally what happened and it spells out that you are now out of edits and Mm. you have to pay me more yeah like you agreed to that 
so and that's and that's a hard thing to do but people um unfortunately a lot of people are not nice and um people will try to scam you by being upset they might actually not even really be upset they might just be you know putting on a show so that they get free stuff and you see this Mm -hmm. with retail a lot actually in restaurants and a whole bunch of other places where people (laughs) will at least pre-covid times they'll get they'll get all bent out of shape and upset and like you know the customer's always right you better do xyz thing give me this for free whatever you'll get that in the creative field so much where people will get upset about something when really they're just trying to pull one over on you and get free work and that's why you've got a contract is for those clients uh you know you're like you know internally this isn't real this isn't legitimate and you can point to the contract and say sorry i mean i signed this just like you signed this we're both beholden to this contract you know this is what it is and uh you only have so many rounds of edits or hours of edits rather um and now you got to pay some more sorry person who is upset you know what (laughs) <laughs> this this made me think of one of our uh, sent-in war stories. Again, all names have been changed. We're mm-hmm. going to call her Anna. Yeah. So uh, let, let's let's tell the good people Anna's story. So, and uh, when I was reading t- this to you pre-show, you're like, it only took like the first four <laughs> words. <laughs> okay, so here is the story. There is a micro-influencer. Stop. In my... <laughs> Go run in the opposite direction. <laughs> micro influencer you gotta be kidding me <laughs> if a micro influencer reaches out to you how about not even a micro if a macro influencer reaches reaches out to you be like bye like, uh, there's there's a micro influencer in my town looking to put out a psa i raised my hand said i would love to work with her assumed mistake. it was paid upon talking more they were offering swag and trade cool i needed some content let's trade Um, I send her a variety of locations and availability. She says she doesn't care for any of them. None of them meet the vibe. I ask what the vibe is, and she says she's not sure, but she'll know it when she sees it and that she can trade for uh, on a different day when she's available. So I'm doing stuff for her, and she won't have time that day. She can do it later, which part of that is I understand of sometimes I set up stuff with models of, like, I'm not going to try and do nice headshots of a model and a sweaty fitness shoot on the same day. Those don't match. So, so day one, we're doing sweaty fitness shoot and, you know, they'll go home shower and some other time we're going to do nice headshots. Yeah, for sure. So, but, um, yeah, she reaches out again is, uh, she about shooting. Um, she asked about my studio experience. I provide my prices and she says, well, if I have my own studio and you can use my lighting and triggers, what are your prices? Hmm. I've had that happen a couple of times as well. And in uh, when, when I had it done for video, it's more like, okay, then I'm not charging as a videographer. I'm charging as like a film camera op. Yeah. So like I'm bringing my skill set and I'm just showing up on set. So hmm. that is a thing, but it's probably not <laughs> what uh, they actually mean. Like I've done that mm. before, but this is like film sets with like forty people, and yeah. you know, and, and it's $50, like a well budget, and it's a well appointed film set, right? Like if people have expectations for a shoot, and you know that they've got some huge space with backdrops and lights and uh, mics and all sorts of fancy yeah, I'm, stuff. I'm just a like, camera op. Yeah, then you're like, cool. I know that I can pull something out of that situation, but. A lot of people say that they have a studio and they really don't. 
they have like a living room and then they say you can use my stuff and it's like a canon t3 or something and you're like yeah this isn't quite what i had in mind uh the microphone is not like this five dollar microphone i got on amazon of like (laughs) this needs a proper like shotgun mic or whatever it is and you don't have any of that um lighting wise they're like oh yeah i have this little led panel i'm like okay but you're trying to drown out the sun Mm -hmm. uh your 100 watt led panel is not gonna cut it here we need something better so there's just a lot of reasons why you probably don't want to take that gig like i think first of all here uh anna's story of like red flag after red flag after red flag to get back to this her studio was not a studio it was a living room wall with a softbox yeah just to clear that up. Um, so yeah, to, to finish the, um, yeah, it was, it was not a studio. Mm-hmm. It was the living room. Uh, she insisted on booking immediately and, uh, then she paid the deposit, but then refused to answer any questions I had about the vibe she wanted or the setup I would be using. Um, I get a very toxic vibe and I want to refund her and tell her, I don't think it's a good fit. What would you do? Yes. Refund her. Just wash your hands of it yeah um so it's a 25 dollar deposit i mean that probably is not going to kill you so um i'm really i feel really bad if it if it does but you even if it were a 500 hundred dollar deposit at yeah. that point <laughs> you just wash your hands of it you're yeah. like nope just, this just is not worth it just walk away uh there were too many there were too many issues with this even immediately um i mean beyond the micro influencer thing <laughs> still a pretty big one though but like yeah but yeah there that, that is that is a that is a problem people that refer to themselves um like real influencers uh, generally don't refer to themselves as influencers and uh you know maybe if, if push comes to shove they'd be like yeah i guess i am one but somebody who approaches you as an influencer run away isn't um especially a micro influencer what is that Micro? <laughs> I, I thought influencers are supposed to influence a lot of people. That I'm was an the whole influencer value. with no influence. Yeah. Therefore, micro influence. Yeah, so you're not anything. Okay. You're a normal person. <laughs> um, so, uh, one, assuming it was paid, um, big mistake. That's an easy mistake to make. Like, I'm not going to berate you over this. Um, but you raising your hand and assuming it was paid, they need to say it was paid, right? If they put out a post and they're like, hey, this is paid awesome now you know you can assume it will be paid now or at least hopefully you can at that point otherwise they're ridiculous um if they don't mention pay assume it's not gonna be paid or ask in the comments you know say hey this is a paid shoot i I, I, maybe i missed that it wasn't clear and then they can clear up whether it is or not swag bag you gotta be kidding me as as pay for that (laughs) a swag bag or a trade shoot guess which one of those is way way less valuable the swag bag and guess which one they're gonna probably try to give to you the swag, the swag bag because that's like yeah. five bucks worth of stuff you know cool with me if you need content anyway all right we've discussed this in other episodes if this is if this is okay as like a trade thing you're trading a shoot for a shoot you know that can work out you need to be careful as you just said you can get varying qualities of shoots in trade yes maybe less than your standards um but yeah the uh the other thing is she just she just shows a um uh she shows very little interest in the process right like this is supposedly important to her but she doesn't have any suggestions of a location she doesn't have any suggestions of feeling or style you're doing all this legwork giving her availability giving locations you know doing all of this work for nothing and they're not involved at all 
Um, they don't know, like they want to do this shoot. They want to do some sort of trade and they don't know what the vibe is. One, don't use vibe in a professional context, <laughs> but two, uh, they're, yeah, they're, um, you know, if, if somebody comes to you and says, oh man, I'm looking for a specific vibe and you don't have it. Well, like just walk away. Then, then <laughs> yeah. we're not a good match. Yeah. Best of luck. Well, to then you. I'm not feeling a good vibe vibe as far as this business situation yeah. is working out. So bye. <laughs> Although this story does bring up uh, two two more good tips. One mm-hmm. is taking the swag bag and reversing it. A very cheap way to sweeten the deal for an upset client is mm-hmm. give them something of value that doesn't cost you very much. So whether that is an hour of your time or a physical product that you sell for 500, but only Mm -hmm. costs you like $50 to actually like make, then they're like, wow, if you screwed up, you're giving me a $500 thing for free. It's like, okay, yeah, but it's cost me $50 out of pocket for you to have a good experience. Mm -hmm. So I think part of the customer is always right thing is as an independent business owner, photographer, freelancer, whatever it is that you are, uh, if you're worried about this, you're not working for a huge company with sales reps. You're working Mm -hmm. basically for yourself. So there is something to be said for making sure everyone who works with you has a good taste in their mouth at the end of the day. Yeah, Yeah. there have been times where like um, I've missed some deadlines and you know some things have been a little bit later than they should have. There have been a couple of times where I had some equipment failure and things didn't quite go my way that day. Um, you know, but one, I'm a professional and I still make it work. Even if it's lower than my standards, one thing that as a perfectionist, I've had to realize is my standards are way higher than client standards nine times out of 10. So I have to kind of remove myself from the situation and think like, oh no, this is still good. Mm -hmm. Even though it's not what I wanted to give them, they're still going to be happy with it. And then they are, um, but uh yeah the second the second thing here is besides the swag bag kind of kind of more seriously is um if there is this kind of situation where you have all of these red flags going on and it's just one thing after another after another it doesn't feel good to say i really can't help you anymore but what's going to feel worse is to keep going mm-hmm So uh, if anyone's ever heard of the sunk cost fallacy, you can cut the line at any time. Mm -hmm. You do not have to continue down your path just because you invested X, Y, Z. Like you can, you can let yourself free of those toxic clients. Think about that as an investment in, in your education, your client education. It's not, it's not a, it's not that you wasted time with a bad client. It's that you learned how to deal with a client. Um, so I, I would try to really stress that it's learning, it's not wasting. Um, and also I just want to get this out there because people say this all the time and they don't say it the right way. The customer is is always right. That doesn't mean that the customer can walk over you all over you all the time. That, that means that the customer, the customer is always right is referring to market trends. It's like if, if customers in general, like a thing in the market, then you should follow that thing or you will not succeed. It's not yes, the customer. That is can not get for customer service. That yeah. is for marketing and so, like trends. So if yeah. anybody's a jerk and says, Well, the customer's always right, 
I mean, don't respond with what I just said because they won't listen to you anyway. But just know internally that's not what that means. And like anyone who uses that phrase (laughs) is not right. No. (laughs) If they're using that phrase, they're wrong. Yes, they're wrong. (laughs) If if you're in a meeting, like in a business meeting where you're talking about market trends, sure, use that line. If you're not, then forget it. Especially if you're somebody's using it against you. They do they're not using it right and you are well within your right to immediately discount everything they're saying and walk away. Oh man. <laughs> but yeah, like I can see this problem, right? This is this is so easy. You want to believe, right? And that's why there are these assumptions on top of assumptions on top of assumptions. You're assuming that they care about this just as much, if not more than you do. You're assuming that this is just a misunderstanding that, you know, really at the end of the day, they're a nice person and they just are, you caught them at a bad time or they're not feeling well, or, you know, there's all sorts of things you can make up in your mind to, to, um, keep this moving and hoping that there's going to be a great, uh, experience on this, on the other side for both of you. And unfortunately with a surprisingly large number of clients, um, especially ones like this who are offering so little, um, in trade, uh and so wishy-washy that they're they ultimately don't care about it and as such you shouldn't care either and you should get away as quickly as you possibly can even if that means refunding them um you might now i will say with refunds though um because i didn't quite use a contract all money's paid are non-refundable exactly so like have a contract one two um if you've got non-refundable deposits in your contract you don't have to return a single cent because that's what's in the contract and it's non-refundable and too bad. Mm-hmm. Like you paid for me to deal with you. And even though nothing happened, you paid for my time to deal with you. And that's money that I'm going to keep for that yes. exact service that I provided in those situations. Like when we said, you know, refund her and run away in this, if you're in this situation where it's, it's potentially refundable money. Yeah. I would probably err on just giving it back and running away and not dealing with this anymore. And it's a learning experience. If it's non-refundable, don't let them get you to refund it. Like maybe you get to that point with the client where they're like, well, you should just give me my money back though, then, and we'll go our separate ways. Um, if it's in your, if it's in your contract from, you know, minute one, that this is non-refundable, don't give it back. Don't let them talk you into that. It is your money. It is your payment for dealing with them. Probably a lot more hours than you should have. So, um, don't do it in that case. I just wanted to get that out there. So so people don't think that we're advocating refunding non-refundable. No, the, I, the, there have only been two exceptions to the rule where um, I have actually refunded someone, even though all my contracts say non-refundable. Exception number one is COVID. Mm-hmm. All all my clients who ask for refunds, yeah, I will mm-hmm. absolutely work with you to uh, any anything you need to get us all through this. There are some clients that said, hey, I really need a refund because we were going with your $6,000 package and now it's eight people in our backyard. I'm like, yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. I get that. Um, there were or other clients that said, hey, I want to pay you in full because I bet a lot of people are canceling and asking for refunds. <laughs> Those mm-hmm. people are gods, and I will give them anything they want when this is all <laughs> over. Um, so, no, just, like, trying to be nice and kind. To, like, yeah. th- that's kind of the first rule. Be kind, right? And if you so, totally blow it, like, if you just totally ruin something and waste everybody's time yeah and you technically have a non-refundable deposit but you're like look like i'm trying to salvage the situation and make this person not and there is no way to salvage it the word exactly then you might that might be a refund a reason to just be like yeah you know what i don't normally do this and don't say that right probably yeah probably don't say that depends on the situation but 
you know, you might think I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not legally obligated to return this, but man, it yeah. would make things a lot smoother. It'd make them feel a lot better. They are less likely to go on social media and blast about my rightfully pointed out failures. Um, yeah. Then you should probably do it. <laughs> the only, the only other time um, besides COVID that I've actually refunded someone um, was uh, they signed a, the wedding agreement and it took them and their credit card at the meeting got declined. And they're like, oh, I'm really sorry about that. Uh, let's figure this out. I'm like, okay, no problem. Uh, just so you know, like your date is held once it's paid because those are the terms of the agreement. And mm-hmm. they're like, okay, no problem. I'm like, just get this signed out quick, but like, you're going to be okay. We'll yep. figure this out. Like three days later, uh, husband pays it. And then less than 12 hours later, like the next morning, wife calls me and is like, I can't believe he paid it. He wasn't supposed to. We were trying to talk about this. And it hadn't even hit my bank yet. I'm like, this sounds like it's going to be a nightmare. There might not be a wedding if this is the vibe that I'm getting, much less like, I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm okay. I know yeah. it says non-refundable, but here you go. We're, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Best of luck in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There are some times where it's just like, I saw that one coming. We're, we're okay now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to ultimately answer uh anna um i i think the yes you should refund them assuming it's a refundable thing and you should walk away and you know be nice be courteous but pretty much just be done with the situation chalk it up as a learning experience and move on to somebody else move on to a client a client who will actually care and uh, be excited about your work um don't give your time to people like this that that don't care and aren't engaged uh, do, do you have any war stories in your back pocket, upset clients? Oh, for me personally, um, boy, uh, I try not to dwell on the, on the bad times. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, other, you know, my, my biggest thing is, is, uh, I will say that I'm, I'm relatively, I've been relatively blessed that I don't, I haven't had a lot of upset clients or clients that are upset mm-hmm. with me specifically, generally what i call upset client experiences in my case are where i'm upset because (laughs) i have um because i have set i either haven't communicated or i've set unrealistic expectations um positive or negative i guess and that the whole situation just spiraled out of control because i haven't kept a handle on it as i should have um so so yeah usually my thing or at least um it was until more recently where i've been able to say no more is is that kind of stuff where um the client just asks more and more and more and when they get upset i will say actually you know i have the the case has been when they've been upset but it's generally that um i have just let them steamroll all over me and when i finally get to the point where i'm so upset that i'm saying no like i've worked on this so much it's great it's it's awesome and you're just being nitpicky and doing all this these these dumb changes that result in dozens of hours of edits just because you can't make up your mind like once i get to the point where i'm so fed up that i'm saying okay i'm gonna start cutting you off now then they get upset and like whoa this came out of nowhere you know who you know you know why why are you why are you cutting us off why are you doing this you know what's the problem and and that's not necessarily their fault because I've let them think that they just get unlimited reign of my time. They can just do right. whatever they want at any of the at any hour of the day and have unlimited edits and unlimited reshoots. And um, 
and that I'll deal with bad footage from other people. That's been a big one. Um, and I don't, um, and in those cases, I, I will have failed to indicate that, um, that the situation is not good um, or that it needs to be moving along or it needs to be moving in a specific direction. And then they, uh, they don't see that because I haven't indicated or communicated it. And then they get surprised. Right. And in those cases, a hundred percent, it's my fault for not standing up for myself more and setting more realistic mm-hmm. expectations and often charging flat rates and not, um, having some sort of constraint built in, yeah. um, that protects myself. Um, sometimes I'll have contracts, but they're too vague. Um, so those have been the situations where clients have been upset with me, where it's, it's a hundred percent on my communication that has caused that. And it's not right. really the client being, um, evil. So I will and, say that, but I've like been we said lucky, earlier, yeah, yeah but like we said earlier, it's all about really. communication. Yeah. You it's can, all about communication. you can get rid of a lot of your upset clients by having proper communication mm-hmm. before they get upset. Yeah. By the time they get upset, it's probably because you messed up by not like making sure you were on the same page beforehand in these situations that i'm thinking about um the the clients weren't well the clients were unreasonable but they didn't understand why like i didn't communicate to them they didn't have a reference for what unreasonable is can you just green screen it no we didn't shoot on a green screen so i will say i'm lucky in that i haven't had any clients that out of the gate are just awful or at least none significant enough that i can really think of but i have had many times where i just haven't put my foot down and that has really caused um gray hairs so to speak as far as stress is concerned um and in those cases i get to the point where i just have to say no and put my foot down and unfortunately that's saying no way too late after i'm already stressed out and they have unrealistic expectations and often the product um doesn't turn out as well as it could have as a result usually i'll pull something out of it like i'll i'll still try to please at the end of the day and this will be late in the game because i'm too stupid and i I wait too long (laughs) to to put my foot down um but since then i have gotten a lot more uh i want to say mean but let's say curt and i'm like here's what we're going to do and here's how many hours of editing you get and here's how the process works and if and here's the contract and sign it and you know, here's the deposit. And now I'm a lot more um, forceful with that kind of stuff. Still polite, still professional, but a lot more protective of myself. Um, and uh, that comes with experience and, and comes with uh, a better sense of self-worth. I still think everything I make is terrible immediately. But, um, you but get that's to another the point... conversation for a different day. Yeah, but you get, <laughs> you get to the point where you're like, you know what? This is so stressful. I mean, forget it. Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. This needs. I need a new way of doing things, and um, yeah. I'm lucky enough that I can say no and not feel that um, uh, I can be increasingly picky. Let's say over time with my clients, and um, that is great. And not everybody's in that situation, so I understand if you're, you know, worried about that kind of stuff, and that's totally fair. You, know, you have to get through that at your own pace, but try get try to get through it earlier rather than later. It will um, save you a lot of. Uh, head and heartache in, in the long for term. sure yeah. um so we definitely have like uh two or three more good stories here for sure um i think we have time for one last one um yeah, and then we good. will wrap this up uh joey again fake name to protect the innocent so uh joey is kind of a little bit earlier in his career he works with performers um and mostly doing photography um there was a gig where he actually did video for the performers and it was a two to three minute live performance which when a performer comes to you and says i need a three minute live performance they think it will take three minutes to film it because ha 
Uh, <laughs> yet, no. Uh, the last time I did a live performance, I think it was it took like an hour and a half to film like a four minute song because yeah. we ran it eight to ten times and there were like different things we had to do to set up and tear down and change in between each take um no shooting shooting live performance when you're not actually like at a concert like when you're trying to do it over again and get it perfect like in a recording studio Mm -hmm. type setting no a four minute song does not take four minutes that's ridiculous (laughs) but um so what happened is uh, Joey handheld all of his video because he's not a videographer. He's just a photographer who happens to have a video feature on his camera. Mm-hmm. Um, the client said, great, it all looks awesome. And then when they actually handed it over to the editor, they said, we are super unhappy and I don't like it. And he was kind enough to share the footage with me. And there was a lot of uh, Jello. A lot of, do you want to, do you mm-hmm. want to explain Jello to people? Rolling shutter, yeah. The, yeah. <clears throat> so, um... Well, uh, there, there's the rolling shutter jello, but then there's the warp stabilizer jello. Yeah. And they're two very different, distinct forms of jello. Yeah. So, <laughs> depending on how he shot this, you could have um, either or both. Um, so, uh, the the jello, um, the rolling shutter jello is like actually when, you're, when your sensor is exposed and is re- recording data, uh, generally it records in lines in sequence from top to bottom or actually sometimes where it depends on the sensor it just is in line if it's in not sequence. global then yes it if it's not global um, if you pay a lot for your camera it might be global um, yeah but, but that's from... the difference between like a two thousand dollar camera and a ten thousand exactly camera. it's a big jump um so you'll have these lines and when you especially for hand holding which is why i think this might come into play a little bit in this story too and you move really quickly um, you'll see the whole image warp because it's it's actually you're moving so fast it can't expose the whole frame um, in in a section of motion so you get this like really weird warpy effect diagonal slanty yeah these diagonal effect. slanty effects you'll yep. see it like when you point at fans and stuff too like in static shots just because something in the frame is moving really fast so that could be an that could be a problem here one two. Um, warp stabilizer shakiness um so sometimes you'll try to fix things in post by applying warp stabilizer or or you know Mm -hmm. a number of different software stabilizers and those will like make the background look really weird and shift because it's trying to stabilize around a subject so kind of everything else gets wobbly and weird to make that subject stable and um this is getting better over time but it's still not really good like you need still not perfect and if your footage is really really bad then stabilizing it it actually makes it look worse yeah yeah so actually both of those things could be at play here and and neither of them are good and together they can look just awful yeah so so it uh, the thing is, like, so he told me, hey, the, the only reason I got the gig was because it's a super, I got super lowballed, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure I was willing to do it when no one else was for mm-hmm. the amount of money. So he's like, I'm pretty sure that was the only reason I got it. Because there were other people who actually had video gear, and I yeah. don't. So, like, kind of, like, I saw it, and it wasn't that bad of, like, I think for the amount he got paid, it was probably they got their money's worth. But, like, it still wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, that was one where he's like, well, they're upset and I don't really know what to do about it. And I asked if I could uh, reshoot it for them because it was a performance. Like, they can always reshoot a performance. It's not like a wedding where, like, it's done. You can never get that back. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like, hey, can I reshoot it for you? And then they just posted the finished video. And he's like, I didn't even have the heart to watch it. Um, it did it, And it included his video? Yeah. It was all oh, okay. it was all his footage. Yeah. 
Yeah, so they decided just to deal with it. Yep. Um, so obviously, what, would, right you, what the, would you do? Yeah, obviously, right off the bat, unrealistic expectations. Do you know if he got paid? What was he it? Did. He did. Okay, he did. Uh, he didn't want to say how much, but it was very low ball. So I'm guessing okay. uh, less than a hundred bucks. Oh wow. Okay, I I wouldn't even show up for that personally if i was him like even if you're not a video person my so so here's the other deal i like i've been doing this 10 years and when i started 50 dollars was my floor of like if you pay me 50 dollars, i'll do literally anything you want because that's like i need money but now my floor is like 300 bucks there yeah. are very very few things i will do for less than 300 dollars, just because of like when i say, agree to something off the bat, even if it's a 10 minute thing, it eats up a huge chunk. And for me to pay all, pay all my bills, that mm-hmm. chunk needs to earn me at least 300 bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Like that's uh, like less than a hundred dollars. Like that's my setup fee. I mean, I don't really have a setup fee, but you know, like, yeah, basically <laughs> like that's pretty much just set. Um, I actually do have a setup fee when I do video. Cause I, uh, I charge yeah, that fair. at a lower hourly rate than my creative fee. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so one, uh, don't, don't undersell yourself too much. Like, yeah, you're not a videographer perhaps. Um, but you're a photographer, you have an idea of how things should look, um, and should be framed. Like you've got a lot of, there's a lot of cross between good photos and good video. And sometimes Mm -hmm. you see just photographers that are like fantastic photographers that jump into video and they're like automatically amazing because they're just so good at visuals in general that they it translates really well so one don't undersell yourself don't deal with that with that kind of stuff you're you're valuable you're you're more valuable than the average person just picking up a camera and starting in video for sure like you're leaps and bounds ahead of of newbies one thing Um, i would say though is like tripods they're 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 yeah i'm getting i'm getting (laughs) getting that so one there are unrealistic expectations with the client and with you, what you're providing them, if they're paying, certainly if they're paying under a hundred dollars, but for a video like this, like if it's anything under 500, even as an, as a beginner to me, um, mm-hmm. like they, they need to, they need to understand what they're getting uh, under a hundred dollars is like insulting. Like the fact that there's even anything visible on the video is like, you got what you paid for to me. Um, the shakiness is like, you know, who cares? You paid less than a hundred dollars. Deal with it. Um, so one, you need to communicate with them what they actually want out of this. And if that's even worth, if that's even available for the amount of money that they're, that they're spending, um, in my opinion, it's not available. So they should have been happy with what they got. And, and obviously since they posted it, they ultimately just were like, okay, well, that's what we got. And they were ultimately fine with it enough to that's put true. it out there. They didn't hire right? someone else or ask for they didn't money hire somebody back. else. It wasn't that big yeah. of a deal it was within their budget and you gave them a sweet deal, probably even with the shakiness. So one, uh, you need to have better expectations with the client about that from the get go. What are they actually looking for? Um, and you could quickly just bounce out and say, nah, sorry. Like I'm not going to do it for that much. Money. So, That's so he's, little. he's agreed. Uh, he's done it. The expectations mm-hmm. have already been yeah. set I'm just poorly. For future, for uh, so now that they're upset, what, it, what it was Joey do? <clears throat> well, in this case, it's a little bit different because they already posted the end product and they're done. Um, so there's they're not like demanding more from you, and they posted it publicly. So although you might not want to use it for a reel, I feel like in this case, leave it alone from here yeah. on out. Just be done with it. Uh, chalk, it chalk it up as a learning experience. I'd probably still watch it 
which might suck, but I would probably still watch it because learn from um, your own mistakes. You're gonna, yeah, you're gonna learn. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna see what you could do better, and I think that's worthwhile. And the fact that they posted it is is a good sign. Like then it's not it's not so bad that it's mm-hmm. unwatchable that they literally cannot post it. So that's a good thing. Like you kind of it kind of worked out in a weird way. The, the two, client that I I was yeah. just gonna say the client Sorry. that I talked about earlier, um, mm-hmm. I was so upset with them. I just said like, look, we're done. That's mm-hmm. it. Uh, take my name off it. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Yeah. And you can ruin it a... as much as you want to, as long as you don't attribute it to me. Yeah. That's a good way to go. I'm curious if they did give him any attribution. Um, that would be a, a, a follow-up question I'd have for him. Um, but two, as you said, uh, you're a photographer. Do you not own a tripod? <laughs> you probably do. <laughs> probably. I, I literally have one right here i i could reach out i'm not going to but there's one right here every time man every time we mention something on Actually, this show I am you happen to. to have it on your desk already just i am going to in the wings bro tripod <laughs> i mean this is over and done with i understand but audio people he held up the tripod it was so easy for him yes uh... sorry for for you listening on audio that that was really bad <laughs> I, I literally just grabbed a tripod. Nothing kills a podcast better than dead air. Exactly. <laughs> I'm a terrible podcaster. I literally just reached off frame and grabbed a carbon fiber tripod and held it up to the camera. Um, and if, I just looked it up. No, there was no attribution uh, okay. when they posted the video. That's probably for the best. <clears throat> it is probably for the best. But but yeah, uh, tripod. Dude, I'm recording a podcast and I've got a tripod within <laughs> arm's reach. Like I, you're a photographer, you can have a tripod. You can show up at the tripod. I, the, maybe they would have been, you know, maybe it wouldn't have been exciting shots, right? Because no. like handheld, it's not exciting to, to some... look at a static thing for three minutes. Yeah. But if you can't do movement properly, lock down a tripod, and that's going to be better than having something shaped. Exactly, exactly. Like you might be going for the handheld look for giving it a dynamic feel, but for less than hundred dollars, or for less than really five hundred dollars, like for me. If I was going to go shoot something, they're not getting anything but static shots for more, much more money than that. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want me to pull up my gimbal? Okay. Uh, start peeling back the bills then. Um, <laughs> Make it rain. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, for their budget, they should be okay with static shots. And if your camera can shoot 4K, which increasingly a lot of stills camera can't, stills cameras can, you could do some, uh, if you really want to get fancy with it, and do some, you do punch some creative cuts. editing, yeah. you know, master it in 1080p and, and, you know, you got some crop room there. So don't be too worried about tripods or maybe you have multiple cameras, like often yeah, photographers. That's, that's come what in. I said. Yeah. Right. If you have often multiple cameras, just come in, multiple have angles. multiple cameras and yep. maybe one camera doesn't do 4k and one does cause it's newer and just, you know, set up a couple shots. So you can bounce back and forth. If you got something that has crop room, great. You've got that going for you. Or um, if you don't have multiple cameras, just do multiple takes. Do one on a tripod. Do yep. one where you're walking around. Do yep. one from the side. And exactly. do one full take of the performance from every angle. And now you've got three or four different angles that they can exactly. choose from and yeah. cut together in the edit. Uh, so, especially if you're not editing it. Just give the editor options. Yeah. I mean, look at this. Look at this like a photo where you need... Um, uh, you need a long shutter speed, right? Like if you're hand holding it, it's going to look smeary and terrible. It's yeah. going to look really blurry. You're going to have to put on a tripod. So bring your tripod. <laughs> I, like this is, this is, you it know, is. I feel like this is a, uh, for the future. Like I'm, I'm hoping that this person is like, oh yeah, actually that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to do that in the future. Cause so, I encourage you. 
Yeah. Keep doing so video. Joey, right? please keep doing video. Yeah. And and he told me like, hey, I, I've had a gimbal on my wish list, but I'm actually saving up for X. So don't, gimbal's not in my budget right now. Don't bother with it for right now. So you know what? That's totally fine yeah. to know and understand your expectations. And part mm-hmm. of this is like chalk it up to a learning experience. Yeah. Like it will go better next time. And the fact they posted is a good sign. Yeah, Joey, um, I don't want to berate yeah. you with the tripod thing. Like I really mean that more in a in a jokey kind of way as something like, hey, you probably already have one of these. Like use what you've yeah. got available. Um, but like seriously, like I get the appeal of the handheld thing. I have done this. I will readily admit that I have shot stuff handheld and I'm like, oh, it's going to be perfectly fine. My hands are steady. I know how to do this. And then it looks terrible. Like, and I should have put on a tripod the whole time. So I've done this where I own a tripod within arm's, arm's reach. I'm holding it up again for you listening on the audio. And I have not brought it. Um, or I have even stupider. I've brought it and not used it and then regretted it. That could be even worse. Right, yeah. Joey? Like, think about this. You could be me where you show up with a tripod. You don't use it and pack it all the way there and back and then you're like wow i should have used that tripod right so it gets worse and i and i've been there and i I have done that so i'm not berating about the tripod thing i'm just i'm just saying use what you have available they have low they they should have low expectations for somebody who's paying so little if they don't have low expectations help them achieve those low expectations and learn from this and move on keep shooting video I highly encourage you to do it. It's a great thing to add to your portfolio and your abilities. Um, Absolutely. You got some of the gear already. You got a client at the end and, of the day. And you Joey's, got a that Joey's niche, your stuff. Yeah, Joey's right? niche is uh, working with performers. So, yeah. so you're still working with performers. So uh, here's here's the other thing. If you have a niche like that, find all the different ways that you can service that niche. So if that means learning how to do video, mm-hmm. you can still learn how to do video and say, I just do video per for performers. So actually I have a rule about this. I do video. I think I'm pretty good at it, but I will never do a live event video because my skill level is not Ooh, at that threshold. Will I feel comfortable doing live events? So you can limit yourself that way of like, yeah, I can shoot photos for anyone, but I will only do video in mm-hmm. a commercial setting where I can say, stop, that wasn't any good. Let's yeah. try that again. Yeah. Joe, um, you got this. Like you got this really. Yeah. I, I want to be encouraging. Absolutely. Like you you have the the stuff, you have the ability to, you know, start simple. Don't go nuts right away and buy a gimbal and and you know just go crazy. Like start simple, work your way into it. You know, if you maybe you even shoot stuff for your yourself like for and free I, just to And just I to do think that he did all the right things when he messaged yeah. them and said, "Hey, I feel bad about it. Is there a mm-hmm. way that we can set this up and reshoot it?" And then they just ghosted him. So, you did everything yeah, you right. Tried. Mm-hmm. You tried. And they posted it. Like you yeah. you had a client who hired you. You 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 have admitted like that's why you took this so cheaply is cuz you don't have a lot of video experience. You had a client who hired you with minimal to, minimal to no experience. You had an experience that, you know, could have potentially been better in some ways. But at the end of the day, that client paid you and they posted the the video of your stuff. Like, it it worked. It happened. It, it, it became a thing. So, Absolutely. yeah, it could have gone better. But the, there are a lot of people that don't make it to that last step or even close to it. So, you're already getting there. Definitely keep going. Definitely use a pro- tripod in the future. <laughs> um and yeah you know you want to try a gimbal later on you know maybe try a cheap shoulder rig um oh yeah if you can't afford that like it's if you can't afford a gimbal right now like shoulder rigs are super cheap like they might not be good they might not be super comfortable but they will steady you out um and uh you know those those you can get like under 50 bucks um 
or you can use a tripod as a as a rig. Like, look up tripod video hacks. There's all sorts of things. Where oh people yeah, like bend in I've a certain way and before. attach a strap, it's, and it it it, works. it turns it into a little bit like swayy, so it won't be steady, but it won't mm-hmm. be shaky. Yeah, or, or it's just even, adding that weight. Yeah. Or even really on the simple end, like where you open two legs of the tripod, you kind of stick those against your hips, and you hold the center of the tripod, and you you mount the camera on the tripod as normal, and that just gives you some extra stability some extra like it i've generally done that just like one point all of them just kind of into my gut you're yeah yeah. i've definitely done that one before yeah exactly just another point of contact uh stabilizes your camera basically and it's and it stabilizes it way more than you would expect and you could do some serious work with that and and get away with it so we started talking about how to deal with upset clients and now here are hacks on how to (laughs) use steadicam when you don't have one all right shoot more video joey do it this was um, not this was not do not take this as a failure and stop i mean unless you really don't like video fine but yeah, if you sure. want to keep doing video keep doing it this is not a this is not a true true failure highly encourage you to, to follow this so up like we do like have said. yeah we do have a couple more war stories but i do think that is enough for today yeah. so if you liked this Blimey, episode uh go to any platform of choice that has comments <laughs> <laughs> uh, if your podcast platform does not have it uh we'll link to my youtube channel in the show notes so that you can leave a comment there even if you don't watch on youtube but yep. yeah just uh, leave a comment saying uh more advice column stuff and we can go into the rest of our kind of war stories how to deal with upset clients or any other kind of advice column questions that you have um as always if you have any questions feel free to send them in and uh no this was this was a lot of fun um the too long didn't read is how to deal with upset clients is a two-part process uh part one is prevent upset clients Mm -hmm. set proper expectations have open communication make sure everyone is on the same page at every step because that is why they get upset nine times out of ten because you're not um and then part two is just be honest make it up to them do everything you can but uh have clear boundaries and don't let them step on you because you know it is what it is so uh i think this was good hopefully uh you found this helpful i'm not sure what we're going to talk about next time but again if you liked this kind of show format then uh leave the comment advice advice column um and we will see you in the next episode if you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show. Watch us on Ben's YouTube channel at non-creative. As in om nom nom. Share this with a friend and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Because it's free.